Hello and welcome to Cosmic Dream Sanctuary. I'm Daniel Rekshin and I will be reading to you my illustrated book, The Alchemist Dream is Now Achieved. The way it'll work is that I will read the text to you and then describe whatever images are on the page. You are invited to receive this like poetry, like art, like a reading. So you are invited to simply be open to the message and communication knowing that if you want to go deeper, you can go to cosmicdreamsanctuary.org slash message to download the text and the imagery of this book as a PDF or an EPUB. So, the alchemist's dream is now achieved. Here is an image of a hooded figure on the earth. Uh, to its right-hand side is the crescent moon, and then there is an image of the sun in a star field. The figure has its arms open in a posture of welcoming or hug or offering. <clears throat> the cosmos is magic. Life is a miracle. Individual experience is divine. The mundane is ever encroaching, and matter determines actions. Desire is replaced with consumption. We forget who we are. Will and thought can transmute matter. We can write our own de destiny. Our dreams reveal experience to be what it really is. The chemical knowledge will emerge as science assimilates the exoteric mysteries. So we, here we have an image of a hooded figure, once again, ex exhaling, exhaling. And this figure is, seems to be holding a, another figure. It is a smaller figure. It is humanoid, but it also is very reminiscent of um, like a bubble, bubble toy from children where you dip the... Um, stick into bubbles and exhale through it. So this larger figure is holding a smaller figure and blowing air through it. And there are actually bubbles emerging from the third eye of the sleeping smaller figure. This seems to represent the relationship of the dreaming body with the deeper soul. Once upon a time, the gods walked among humanity and perform miracles that we would perform ourselves. They took human mates, and their children performed hybrid feats that began our history. Their blood still mixes with ours, but we do not believe it is so. So here we have an image of corn growing, of, uh, of a, an animal on a fire, and here is an image of an initial murder, actually. This is reminiscent of the story of Abel and Cain. So Cain having offered, or Abel and Cain having offered both the, um, the plants and uh, a meat sacrifice to God, and the meat sacrifice was honored, and so the uh, farmer uh, killed the um, butcher. <clears throat> An age passed, and a strange man told strange stories that impelled the history of reason as they reminded us of what was before history. This strange and misunderstood man is the cornerstone of a thousand edifices of thought. 
He showed us the forgotten world beyond the senses and introduced us to the daemons and principles of the cosmos. We use his method of speech, but ignore his message. We are more than we appear. So here is a figure of a being holding a box. It is sort of like a diorama. And on the left hand of the diorama is a flame and it is illuminating the inside of this diorama and the flame has a face on it and is holding a sort of puppet which is casting shadows on the other side of the wall. This strange man is Socrates and his message is that we are much more than we appear. Another age passed and another strange man told strange stories His words were clothed in miracles, spiritual actions in the material world. They were clothed just as meanings are in airy vibrations. He performed the greatest feat of our history. The Son of God and the Son of Man sacrificed himself in sublimation of the negative. His miracles brought the beyond into the present, transforming matter and law. They have unbound that which is bound. We are as the Christ in the eyes of the Father and as his spirits in the eyes of each other. And so here we have an image of the Christ, of the Father, and of the Holy Spirit. The Christ is standing on the bottom of the page up in the crucifixion posture, but there is no cross. There are eyes in the place of stigmata, And he holds next to him, actually, are baskets of fishes and loaves, reminiscent of his miracle with the fishes and loaves. His forehead, there is the um, symbol of the Trinity. It is like the interlocking circles, the three circles. That is what it's reminiscent of. And um, those are actually the three heads or faces of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit coming together in intersection. The Holy Spirit is represented as a dove, and the Father is represented as a branching lightning pattern. The resurrection of the faithful must occur outside of history. Binding forces still claim destiny. Humanity is humans forgetting who they are. We have been shown, we have experienced, that we are more than matter. We are immortals, and we hold our destiny in our hand, and yet we are slaves to the categories of time and matter. The violence, this violent contrast of our potential and actuality, proves that we are a forgetting species. Reason, writing, and academic endeavor allow us to emulate our true work while in our false and forgetting state. We clothe our attention, intention, knowledge, and power in order to pass it through our communities and generations, thereby their symbol and illusion blindly guides our history. So here we have an image of the sun, which is being obscured by a cuneiform tablet that is representing both writing and the sun behind, and also the sheep of which are on the uh, horizon line of the the image. So we have sheep and sun being obscured by a hand that holds a cuneiform tablet and is inscribing an image of those things upon it. 
An age passed, and the essential knowledge and power of our being passed from the Christians to the Gnostics, and through the generations to the alchemists. They were the last generation in which the outward signs were produced by individuals of power. All subsequent individuals of power until our epoch stand outside of history. The true work of the alchemists was not the transmutation of crude matter into gold, the quickening of golems, the healing of corruption, or the penetration of the heavenly spheres. Rather, their true work was encoding the original gnosis into symbol. While chemistry is the most obvious example, there are numerous more subtle. Perhaps they foresaw the darkness to come and hoped their works would provide a light. It guided the blind generations until the present. So here we have a figure standing on the earth holding the sun and the moon. He appears to be pushing them outwards from his palms. His head is connected to a serpentine image, an image of snake. It's the sort of like the Ouroboros snake, but actually is coming from the top of the page down, twining around the text into and becoming this figure standing on the earth. An age passed, and no historical individual received the alchemist's power. The corporate leviathan of science and economy emerged to usurp our true nature. This blind aggregate wields our spiritual inheritance as if it were a material function. We have forgotten who we are, and the abomination takes our place in history. So here there is an image of solar eclipse, and there is an abstracted image of the earth upon which sits a form that is composed of many faces. It is a dark form that is, seems to hold many, many faces. It is a many-eyed, many-faced composite image, as if the figure itself is made of those many faces. Ages pass, and we are in the present we face an unprecedented crisis. Life on earth is threatened in a unique way. Our parents faced annihilation through nuclear arms. We face annihilation through pollution of our habitat. The trigger of their destruction was a decision, both individual and collective. Our trigger is our very way of being, both individual and cumulative. We must confront ourselves and remember who we truly are, or else we will perish. Our true immortality is not communicable to our illusory temporary selves unless it is sublimated into a historical individual of power. So here we have several figures standing on the earth. There is a figure on the left, a hooded figure, holding his hand out. On the right is an image of a figure who is opening up a wound that is reminiscent of the Christ's wound on his side. There is a, an active third eye of this individual and a kind of vortex power coming out of his crown chakra. Behind him is a, a strange image of a, a figure. It's just a face that is connected into around the sacral region, in the back, the, the base of the spine. 
in between this figure on the left who is holding his hand out and the figure who is opening up the wound at his side, which is on the right of the image. In between that is a an image of a skeleton of a an animal, right? So this is reminiscent of the Abel and Cain image where there was a sacrifice of the flesh of an animal and of plants. And so this skeleton out of which grows plants and you we can see roots growing from those plants through the skeleton down into the earth. How did the noble work of the alchemists and their ancestors combine with the machinations of society to bring us to the present crisis? That which was freely given now commands the price. Through our economy and science, the lame walk, our generations prolong. Crude matter is transmuted into gold. Our golems extend through the solar system, and death is cheated in a thousand ways. Once these miracles and, and more were freely caused by the spiritual action of one individual, now they are produced at great cost by a global economical and a material-based machine. Several phenomena emerged after the alchemists, converged to rob us of our individuality and to produce the machinations that brought us to crisis. Each generation forgets itself and must recall its true nature. Somehow, the conglomeration occurred before the recollection began. The Leviathan was composed of modern science and free market capitalism. There was a host of other factors, but these are its agency, material, and telos. So here we have an image of a planetary body upon which a rover, like a Mars rover, is, and it has its communication dish pointed to the Earth, which is in the star field above, and there is an image of the sun and stars in the background. Science is merely collective thought, algorithmic and iterative, based on primitive hypotheses and principles about the limited set of phenomena called objective. Its power is derived from its collective and objective nature. Its work may travel through communities and generations and remain untouched by subjective flavor and judgment or the lassitudes of time. One does not recollect or experience science. Rather, one learns its methods, studies its theories, and accepts its data. Its strength is also its weakness when adopted as a mythos. It is limited to repeatable phenomena of common experience, i.e., generic material events. History and individuality have no role. Science as a tool is wondrous and blessed. However, it has never merely been our tool. We have made it emulate the outward signs of our own divinity, and in our forgotten state, we worship it as divine. Our experience is flattened to material causality, and our experience is alienated from ourself. Here we have an image of the hooded figure he is propping himself or holding himself up on a tree and is not touching the earth. Rather, he is holding a, a long stem of a plant and sticking it into an anthill like the monkeys use as tools to pull out ants from anthills 
in which from which to eat. Science, albeit worshipped, is merely a tool. Apart from an economic configuration, it may not progress. Blasphemous science coupled with free market capitalism generates our present crisis. Not only did we alienate ourselves through science worship, so too we alienated our work and our fellows through currency worship. In a fair market economy, one in which all participants have ownership, however metaphysical, of their work and property, the individuality of each participant is granted. Because individuality is not alienated, society is not limited to the material dimension, to the body. Hence, crisis driven by material and energetic scarcity is unknown. This state has never existed. In our free market capitalism, it is evident that the participants have no ownership of their work or property because we are in the midst of a material crisis. We have become so alien in three ways. Three ways, unchecked competition, exploitation, and consumerism. So here we have an image of a, a dark circle. There is two blobs of light within, and it is reminiscent of a zygote, of a cell splitting. Around those are two figures, left and right, of the leviathans. So these are the dark figures with the thousand faces. They are sort of holding up this dark zygote. The bottom right is a human being, is a, one of those hooded figures who has taken off its face, a face like a mask to hand to the Leviathan. It is giving up its own individuality to, this, to these uh, monstrous figures. And now there's an image on the next page of two snakeheads almost, almost kissing, there is the phrase, a mythic history between those two faces. A mythic history. When the, ind when the Industrial Revolution occurred, humans began to enter into companies in order to work, to produce a commodity, a product, something to trade for currency necessary to buy survival. At first, individuals in the company could own their work, i.e., find ontological identity in it. Next, they brought their product to market. Perhaps there were other brands in competition. Which, whichever product optimized the quality over expense ratio was the champion, and thus the owners made a profit. The other companies are forced to modify their production ratio. Either the qualities, either the qualities and functions of the product must increase or the cost of production decrease. Science is employed to innovate the product and expedite production. At this point, the individuals may still own their work, but its spiritual dimension is flattened to the objective. Another round of competition ensues, and there are losers. Perhaps the technology of the day can do no more. A profit must be made, or else the company may die. Market prices are determined by the cost of labor. The capitalist will sever the individual from his work by paying less than a fair wage on labor. In time, either the domestic population is exploited or the labor is exported to a country that allows exploitation. As soon as one laborer is exploited, no one in the company owns his work because it ceases to be a compact of individuals. Another round of competition ensues Innovation and exploitation are at maximum. 
The next step involves the supply over demand ratio. Supply aspect is fixed by previous ratios. Therefore, the demand aspect must be adjusted. Consumerism is born. The companies manipulate society such that the public will buy products that they do not need or desire. Whatever remaining individuality and ownership leaves the system as society members work harder and longer in alienation in order to buy the unwanted products. The cycle of greater consumption and exploitation will continue until we reclaim and recollect our individuality or else our material system will reject us for its wanton abuse. This cycle has continued and nothing has stopped it yet. The world is now the arena of consumption, exploitation, and misguided competition. Nations, war, and economic conglomerates misinform. We have forgotten ourselves so completely that we trade our very souls for trinkets made of blood and poison, which remind our husks of bodies of our past spiritual riches. Aggregation through this science and economy has flattened the cosmos. It has produced the greatest of marvels at the greatest of costs. We have brought the keys of apocalypse and have bankrupt the eco ecosystem. Humanity has been so deluded in the worship of science and money that we risk our very existence and legacy. Science construes matter and energy as conserved quantity. It sees no such thing as free energy, perpetual motion machines, miracles of water and wine and bread and fishes. There is no agency for these miracles. No causation, merely correlation. Destiny is the convolution of matter, not the intentions of willed individuals. Our consumption requires material objects of low entropy, highly ordered production and products, entropy in the surrounding systems, must be raised in compensation. We unleash chaos in order to produce dead mirrors. Our present crisis reveals that the project of science and free market capitalism has always lacked the participation of spiritual individuals. Our crisis has progressed so far that it reveals that the project itself has suppressed its participants' recollection as historical individuals. So now we have an image. Uh, the image at the bottom of the page is sort of reminiscent of that horizon line that has been used to provide a context for the previous images, but it's flipped upside down and it's sort of a, a bowl or barrier. There are circles that seem to have been faces that are mouse-shapen, malformed, and monstrous pressing up against this barrier. And on the other side, there are smaller circles which are complete or not monstrous faces pushing up against it. We must remember our true nature. We must reclaim our true powers from our usurping corporations. We must heal our wounded siblings. We must feed the hungry with our spiritual gifts. We must transmute the matter of our own sin into vital substance. Only then, only when we become who we are, will the pollution of our consumption be transformed into a garden of spirituality. So here is an image of a large figure. It is again a figure that holds the side wound of the Christ and holds it open. And 
It is a giant figure standing above the earth. There is a waterway beneath his legs. On the left-hand side, there is a, an image of buildings, of city, of straight roads. On the right-hand side, there is an image of forest. In the sky, there are clouds. And so on the left-hand side, this figure is holding back uh, clouds that are composed of these monstrous faces that are conglomerated together. He's pulling it into the wound in his side. And on the right-hand side, there are clouds that seem healthy and pure. I have dreamed that humanity learn to reach out with spirits and desire to capture the poisons in our air, water, and land in order to transmute them into vital energies. If a critical density of individuals practice the transmutation, then enough pollution may be converted to reduce or reverse our ecological destruction. When a goal is dreamed, a prophecy perhaps given, the means to achieve it are always given. In the subtle realms, intention is equivalent to action. In the physical realm, material causes are prior to the teleological. In contrast, in the spiritual realms, teleological causes are prior to the material. The subtle realm is strange, although intention is direct and means are given, configurations and protocols are present in any action. I accept that step-like protocols act as the form for even the simplest action. Prayer and meditation have an order, and thanks must always be given. In the past, these may have been sacrifices, incantations, spells, alchemic recipes. Like the archetypes, they are of a subjective and universal nature, their subjectivity implies that their individual instance varies according to the subject, i.e., no two accounts can be congruous. Their universal nature implies that they are accessible and essential to every individual. A strong analogy is with oral myths. Instead of being diluted by the passing like a message in the childhood telephone game, Every passing is an elaboration or deepening of the original. Therefore, I must ask the reader to find the true practice and the ability within him or herself and ignore the accidental variations in my account. The images on the page on the bottom left and right are of tree branches and leaves. And then in the top of the image are uh, butterflies flying. The practice consists of three major steps, a meditation to transcend the physical, a visualization to enter the spiritual, and an intention to action within that realm. So here we have an image of uh, the hooded figure crossing a river, and there's a bridge, a bridge that is incomplete, but at top there is a dove, a bird-like image uh, being a figure holding this the, the missing parts of the bridge and bringing it into into the proper place the hooded figure is walking but his eyes are closed on the right hand side of the ground there are flowers and a butterfly first lie in the corpse posture with mindful alignment allow the body to shift until a balance is achieved 
As soon as it occurs, release the body, your proximity, and control for the entire meditation. Consciously affirm your intention, ask for guidance from the higher cosmic agencies, and extend gratitude for the guidance and for the now. Lie still and focus on the natural breath. Let the proprio-centric sensations of spatial extension merge with the temporal sensation of the breath. Finally, release that awareness and gratitude and pleasure. So we have three images of uh, faces stacked up on one another. And there is a fourth kind of circular area surrounding, surrounded by kind of vortex-like exhalations of breath. The top image of the face has open eyes, the middle has closed eyes and open mouth, and the third has an open third eye but closed physical eyes, breathing in peace. At this point, or perhaps another, deep fear may arise. Meditation always produces novel experiences, and novelty is frightening. I have become afraid that I would lose my breath or my way back. When one is open to novel experiences, strange phenomena occur. I have felt walls of energy pass through me, like waves of noise. I have heard strange languages, seen the half-animal humanoids, felt other entities examine me, been immersed in froths of electric pocket dimensions, and pulsated with the gnosis that surrounds all. Such experiences are so otherworldly that they frighten They occur through the subtle senses beyond the physical senses. The brain in part processes them as physical sense, such that the incongruence of sense experience with the lack of bodily sensation is very jarring. In face of of fear, have faith in the strength of the physical body and your connection to it, because it is trustworthy. Such fears will always be present. It is the old self trying to preserve itself in the face of novel and transforming experience. Allow the fear to be present, resign to it, and thereby become a new and larger individual. Here the image on the page is of a, the figure in uh, corpse posture, Shavasana, and the feet at the feet is a face, the face of the figure at top on the head, his eyes closed, and there is a third eye open. There are kind of emanation forms of energy pulsating from vortex-like breath images from the crown. There are I- images of like electric field, magnetic field type experience emanating from the hands and the feet of this image. Allow self-identification with perception, emotion, myth, and ego to successively slip into the stillness of breath. Each step requires the fear, resignation, sublimation process. Let the various subtle experiences slip away as well. Do not push. Simply acknowledge and pass along. Let all slip by until the depths of self become one with the depths of being. The resultant state of consciousness is that of union with the divine. It is unindifferentiated and full of potential. The image on this page is of flames at the bottom of the page, and each flame has a face in it. And there is a bird, which is reminiscent of the phoenix emerging up and out of it.
As soon as the point of union is achieved, the first step ends and the second begins. The goal of the second step is to unify consciousness with the spiritual body, hence its powers of agency and causation. The individual will clothe itself in spirit. There are various accounts of the spiritual body. It does not matter which version one encounters. I find the chakra system to be natural to me. I experience several centers of energy localized on the physical body, each with a unique flavor and realm of agency. Despite the variability of the subtle body, it is essential that it is present to the individual and acts as a causal and perceptive intermediary between the cosmos and the individual at the level of intention. I experience the clothing of self in the spirit to be the sequential activation of the chakras. As soon as the first step of the entire practice is completed, I experience waves of energy, strong vibrations, as if I were in the surf of an existential ocean. I allow myself to be moved by the waves. I maintain focus and unity through my pleasure in and gratitude for the experience. Otherwise, I would awake or dissolve into fear. It happens that they enter me through my crown or my third eye chakra. Those first energy waves are identical to the activation of the chakra. It feels like a pool of swirling potential and electric energy speckled with particles of gnosis and traversed by tunnels of breath unified with the cosmos. The next step is to allow and to intend that the energies pass from chakra to chakra and back to the cosmos. The result is an active system of energetic respiration. The individual is now clothed in the subtle body. It is easier to write about the second step than to experience it and practice it. There are two major challenges. First, one must discover the chakras and how they feel. They are most likely hidden and atrophied, perhaps out of balance. Such discovery requires resignation to fear and death, the sublimation of the present self. The second challenge is that the spiritual body is holographically superimposed upon by the psyche. The activation of the chakras is also an encounter with repressed fear and trauma. Every time one becomes clothed in this body, one merges with the shadow self. So the image on this page relates to the earth, but the, the horizon line of the earth is on the left-hand side of the page, and the sleeping body, the lying body, and Shavasana, the corpse posture, is vertical now and is breathing. And there are the vortex breath energies coming from the face, which is now dark, and it is pushing up the mask of the face of this figure into, into the cosmos, into the star field. There is a, a kind of a marionette-style puppet body that does not have a face, to which the face is being breathed, held up by um, double helix, helix kind of chains connecting it from the, its chakra points to the stars. And so this is a, an image of the sleeping, sleeping physical body pushing the awareness to the subtle body. The third and final step is the intention to action. From the resultant configuration of the second step, an indefinite number of spiritual actions may be performed. One need only intend the action. 
gratefully accept guidance, and courageously experience. My dream suggested a very particular action, i.e. the transmutation of pollution into vital substance. The following steps are part of that action. Hold the third eye chakra in the center of consciousness. Allow it to develop in complexity and intensity. Hold it until the internal and external circuits of energy are distinguished. The final step will dissolve the categorical distinction of inner and outer. In the, re- in the subtle realm, categorical perception loses much of its meaning. Space and time, self and other, inner and outer, are foundations of egoistic and mundane experience. They have their place in the cosmos, but it is wrong to assume that they are the basis of all experience. Subtle experience is coherent, although many of the aspects that make us call it rational are woven together and loosened as well. Once the inner and outer circuit are distinguished, dissolve that category. Let it slip away, which it does easily because it is a mere import from daily experience. It is a process much like letting the body fall into stillness. While the spirit is active, or entering the dream world through hypnagogic imagery. So here now we have the image of the earth at the bottom of the page, in which is uh, the face, the mask of the hooded figure with open eyes, both physical and third eye. In the sky there are stars. There's also the crescent moon, which also has a face now, and the sun, who again has a face. Once the categories of perception are dissolved, a very interesting configuration of spirit and cosmos remain in experience. The individual retains consciousness and volition. Matter, with its conservation, is sublimated. The inner and outer worlds are united. The agent and arena of action are superimposed. The individual now subsists as causation in a world of formal and spiritual principles of material convolution. Matter may be transmuted according to intention. The history of our societal and individual sin may be assimilated and then sublimated. The alchemist dream is now achieved. Here the image of the page is of the earth, but it is now at the top of the top of the page. And the hooded figure is on the page and it looks sort of like a cocoon actually because there's a butterfly on it. The wound of the Christ, which has been present in this um, hooded figure, is is visible and it seems to be the place out of which the butterfly emerged. There's no face actually uh, anywhere in the image of this page anymore. There is the sun and crescent moon. So once again, the alchemist dream is now achieved. We have the image from the cover, but now is different. Um, this is an image of the hooded figure, but the, an image of um, energy surrounding this figure. The third eye is open. There is no face on this hooded figure, but there are faces on the sun and moon, and there is a comet in the, in the starry sky. The alchemist's dream is now achieved. That is your dream. That is our dream. This is the dream of the world. This dream is calling you to action, to connect in with your deeper self, 
to transmute the sin and pollution and challenges that we are experiencing now in this moment of crisis. You can do that simply by saying yes to your own divine nature, saying yes to your capacity to act in miraculous ways, as powerful as the alchemists of old. You are the alchemist's dream. You are the alchemist's dream. You have achieved divine realization. Even if you don't understand it yet, you have, because you are here in this world. Thank you for the commitment you have to acting from this point of view, so that we may truly create a garden of Eden, a paradise in our world together. Thank you.